This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Shoot up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many day how many days a week can you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. This is a special edition of the Houndsman XP podcast, and we are shaking up the schedule this week because things need to be shook up. It is January 13th, and the animal rights movement is in full swing. They are attacking everywhere. We've got issues in Vermont. We've got issues in California again. 
Uh, tune into the Western Bear Foundation. They're doing a great job of keeping everybody updated on that. Find them on social media. Joe Condellis has released several things on that. Uh, we're going to be talking to somebody from Vermont later on, not today. But the issue in Arizona is where we are going to focus our efforts today on this podcast, and you have to listen to this. It does not matter whether you're a houndsman in the east, a houndsman in the west, Australia, South Africa, or wherever you are listening from, we have a message for you. And the reason it is important is so that we know what these animal rights groups are up to and what their tactics are. They are sneaky, they are well-funded, and they've been strategizing for years for events just like now what they're doing right now this has been in the works for a long time and we have to know who our enemy is this is an uphill fight with the sun in our eyes there's no doubt about it we can't match them dollar for dollar but we can do things to like our guest says chalk the wheels of the machine and Ryan Smith comes on the podcast with us from Arizona, and he has been on the front lines of this. He's put in a lot of work. I recommend you find his social media platform on Instagram. It's hunt underscore AZ, hunt underscore AZ, and find out what you can do. The uh, link to make comments on this Arizona thing are going to be in the show notes for this episode, so check those out. Folks, I cannot stress enough how important it is for us to know what is going on here. I would much rather be listening to Josh today interview somebody with, you know, cutting up and that laughing, joking around, typical Thursday show that we have, but we cannot afford to let this ride and not get the word out to you. This podcast has always been about developing you and us as complete houndsmen, and part of that is the ability to defend our lifestyle, stand up for our freedoms, and how we can do that effectively. It's as important as knowing how to train your hound, knowing how to feed your hound, uh, and tactics that can be used to catch game. What good does it do to know all those things if we cannot hunt? That's where it's at, folks, and we're going to get after it. All right, so I mashed that record button, and I'm honored to have uh, Ryan Smith with your Instagram handle and account is Hunt underscore AZ. Hunt Arizona is your, and you're an influencer on Instagram. And the reason I'm talking to you is because as far as I can find out here, Ryan, uh, I've looked around, and, and you're the only person that has brought a very important issue to the front and into the light about uh, some things going on with bear lions and bobcat hunting in the state of Arizona. So Ryan, thanks for coming on and taking the time. Appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't you uh, just lay out what is going on there? You've been on the ground, you've been tracking these issues and um, just give our audience an idea of, of what is actually going on in Arizona and uh, with hunting. So, Pretty typically, I stay up to date on this stuff, and it kind of this whole topic had flown under the radar. Um, it was brought to my attention by a few of my followers. They sent me, I would almost like to call it, it seemed like a leaked email. I don't know that that's that's the right term for it, but it was an email that came out from somebody in Game and Fish, sent out to somebody else, and then it just kind of 
slowly trickled through the through the social media network and then um that same day made its way to me uh so i felt the duty to make sure we get that said loud and proud but what's going on is um arizona does a five-year period for their regulations so they every five years they have an open comment period uh and what that does allows the public to comment how they want to on issues they think need to be addressed. Um, just, it, and it can be anything, it can be anything from uh, deer management to what we're dealing here with here, predator management, or um, something we dealt with last, uh, just last year, just kicked into effect January 1st was trail cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the issue is, you can, you can send in your public comments. You can even send in a comment, just praising game and fish if you want. Uh, but it's a public comment period to bring about whatever topic you'd like to. Um, so the public comment period started January 1st. Uh, and again, it's it's going into the next five years of regulations. 22 ends this current five-year set of regulations and 23 through 28 will be the next period. Uh, so what was happening is there there's a few anti-hunting groups. They collaborated and started getting this information out to to their followers um to get them to start commenting in this open this open comment period to try to bring awareness to a a stop or a ban for mountain lions bears and bobcats here in arizona uh and it kind of was it to me felt like a sneak attack they were they were going under the radar which we all have the same opportunity to comment on this as as they do we it's a public forum yeah, we'll oh. get into that. Basically, basically, uh, yeah, let's let's kind of break it down here a little bit. So, uh, like I said, I've I've looked all through social media. I've contacted um, uh, Sportsman's Alliance, Hunter Nation, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Wild Sheep Foundation, uh, and to my knowledge, none of them even knew this was was going on in Arizona. Uh, looking through social media, there are some houndsmen who have, have shared your content and, and starting to raise awareness there uh, on this issue. But as far as you know, has there, it, has there been any official proposal made by Arizona Game and Fish to end lion, bear, or bobcat hunting? Not, not to my knowledge. There has not been. Um, like okay. I said, with this open comment period, this was a way for the, the other side to get the ball rolling. Um, so I, I'm not a hundred percent on how the process goes. I've never been a part of that process, but I would imagine with their open comments, once you get enough public interest, it then starts to get wheels turning and mm-hmm. once wheels get turning, it's harder to stop the machine. Right. Um, so right. my outcry on this was. If they're going to get wheels turning, let's chalk those wheels before they get anything in motion. Nothing official has been set for a ban, um, tighter restrictions, whatnot. Like I said, it's just being proactive rather than reactive to to this attempt at our privilege and rights as outdoorsmen. Are are you a houndsman, Ryan? I am not. I've been, I've been a part, I, I grew up as a kid. Um, I had family that was in Western New York. So I grew up around it, doing it, but currently no, I, I'm not. So what is your, what is your concern with, uh, restricting these types of hunting? So in general, restricting these types of hunting, uh, 
it's it's not for me it's not the aspect of just the houndsman it's it's the animal itself uh these animals are detrimental to our our ecosystem um so i mean it one way or another if we stop managing these animals then they're going to overpopulate and other populations are going to considerably decrease which then in turns goes to your deer hunting and your elk hunting throughout arizona and once those populations start to go down tag numbers start to get cut tag numbers start to get cut uh prices are going to go up because mm-hmm. the, the department's going to need to get their revenue one way or another so if they cut tags they're going to have to raise prices well that's going to continue to happen until we can no longer hunt elk or no longer hunt deer because the ecosystem can't support it so uh, by us being able to manage wildlife through science-based practices uh, the way Game and Fish does it now, we are able to to enjoy and to push on this heritage of hunting that we've grown up with, we've known our whole lives, and we, I have young kids, and I'd love to pass this down to them. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, one thing I've been pushing is if we as hunters don't band together, it doesn't matter if you're not a lion hunter or you're a deer hunter, you're an elk hunter, whatever you are, you're a hunter. Mm-hmm. We need to come together. We need to link arms as a unit instead of clicks. Because these antis, if you're an anti-bear hunter and you're you're an anti-lion hunter and you're an anti-deer um, hunter, they don't care. They're anti. They're just, uh, they'll band together real quick and come against us and create a force that's super effective. Where if we sit here and stay clicky with our little hunts here and hunts there or groups here, groups there, we can't we can't compete with them. Right. Yeah. There's uh, a lot, there's a lot to unpack in that, that brief statement you made right there. And uh, since the beginning of this podcast, we have done our best to try to unite hunters and break down the tribalism within hunting groups. And, um, I think one of the things that, uh, often gets overlooked by the hunting community is, their efforts are an international effort. If if they collect dollars in Norway as a U.S.-based animal rights organization, they're going to use those Norway dollars to fight right here. And I don't know of any hunting organization uh, that that is that well organized. And you've got three of them down there right now. You've got uh, the HSUS is involved in this thing. They're supposedly having Zoom meetings to from what I've gathered so far, they are conducting Zoom meetings and telling their um, supporters how to get involved. You've got the Mountain Lion Foundation that is right. involved in this, who has, you know, fought for the uh, ban of of hunting mountain lions, and then you've got the uh, uh, the one about wildlife diversity. What is what is the official name of that? That one I have down as the Center for Bio- Biological Diversity, and that's here. That's yes. local to me. That's here in Tucson. Right. So you get these organizations, and and they're all putting their efforts into their pet projects this year. Kind of give us a, a layout of why you think that this is a uh, an orchestrated. I'll just call it an orchestrated attack, and and what kind of strategy? Why now? Why are they doing this in twenty twenty two? So a little back history on it, I think back in uh, 2017, 2018, which would have been the beginning of our last five-year period, they came at us again 
um, with proposing mountain lions and bobcat ban at the time. That one went into official bill or an official proposal. They had the written legislature. They had everything written up, um, went to Game and Fish and had an official proposal put to them. So my thoughts are what they did then was they were they were testing the waters, essentially. Mm-hmm. They wanted to rally their troops. And at the time, it was um, Humane Society and Arizonans for Wildlife were the two groups that hit us that time. Uh, and what I think... These, they, these, these people just change hats. They're not absolutely. different. They, they all work together. They're just, you yeah. know, who's got the best traction this week? I'm wearing their hat. So, yeah. And so what my take was is in 2017, 2018, we'll call it 2017 because the rules changed in 2018 for that. Um, They came at us full force. And then I think they were testing the waters to see how reactive or how strong we would be. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they blindsided us the same way they did this time. So we were so far behind. It took a lot of time and effort to get caught back up with them fortunately enough we were able to put that down um with minor regulations changes but what i think they did then is saw okay the hunting the hunting community is going to be this strong let's in we know in five years we have the opportunity to do this again well let's let's build ourselves let's build our backbone a little bit stronger and hit them harder and then what they do is they set the precedent for the ban of bears, bobcats, and lions. When in reality, that may that may be their goal 20 years from now. Right now, to me, their goal is to chip away. Um, let's let's set it big and settle for some small victories within sure. there. Yeah, let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And exactly, and, th- and things that are included in that are uh, things like the use of hounds or the use of uh, predator electronic predator calls or the times of the day that you can hunt season lengths you know they chip away we call it death by a thousand cuts is their strategy that they always use (laughs) in these animal rights uh anti-hunting bills i'll just i'll just call it an anti-hunting bill uh there was a ballot initiative in 2020 i believe that was trying to outlaw or you know make hunting mountain lions uh illegal and that was defeated. Mm-hmm. So they, they had the effort in, in 17. They had the ballot initiative of 2020. And now they're coming at us with this tactic in 2022, where it's kind of a cart in front of the horse type thing. They're just floating it out there and trying to try and from what I'm gathering, Ryan, and correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like they're trying to pr- uh, pressure policymakers into stepping up and doing something at this point by there was no initiative or no invite uh, by Arizona for people to comment on on hunting bears, bobcats, and lions. No, that's exactly right. Um, they kind of took it upon themselves. It, it wasn't that it wasn't like Game and Fish went out and said, "Hey, here's some things we're juggling. Let's get a public comment period on it." No, right. they knew they knew the comment period was January first through January thirty first. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know what your following knows about Arizona hunting, but right now is prime rut for mule deer and coos whitetail. So mm-hmm. we're in the thick of rut. So everybody's out archery hunting right now, and it's an over-the-counter right. thing. Um, 
but so everybody's out doing that so they know right now we can attack them we can get our numbers strong and they're not even paying hunters aren't paying attention because first of all we thought status was good to go like we thought status quo we're ready everything's exactly how we want it so we didn't think we needed to comment in the public comments until right we realized we were getting the sneak attack so the, so so what did that email look like i mean share it because not everybody has seen your video tell people where they can find it for one thing uh, so I have a video on my Instagram. Again, it's at hunt underscore AZ. Uh, it's one of my most recent posts. You can see I have a video of me speaking and then I cut out to the email. I read the email, but you can also pause it and read it for yourself. Um, it essentially is a heads up from somebody within the department of game and fish here in Arizona. And it's an email that for lack of better terms, sound, almost seems like a leaked email, mm -hmm. but it did get, it did get sent out. And uh, it read something along the lines of, hey, public comment period is right now January 1 through January 31. And we are receiving, and it, it in capital letters said, we are receiving no public emails in regards to hunters and how they feel about this topic. Mm -hmm. And then it went on to talk about the speak of the topic of mountain lions and bobcats. And this um, came from the... Uh, deputy director of arizona game of fish that comment correct yeah it's some some wildlife uh, director of game of fish i'm not exactly sure the exact title without going through and, and finding the email on my phone um but yes she held she holds a very high position in my eyes um and so i in reality i appreciate the heads up that she at least like hey just just so you guys i'm just gonna kind of put this out there and whoever reads it eats it but we you know I, I appreciated the heads up on that email that this was happening because she could have just kept quiet and let it go but these are public comments so we have public right to to know what's going on right i'm trying to get through your video right now while we're getting to the the email part of that uh so that i can and I, i'm not putting her name out there so that people can attack her at all. That's not the intent here. And it's going to be very counterproductive to do that at this point. Right. But I have read some of the comments and things that have come about as a result of you releasing that email. And, and a lot of them are, uh, anti game and fish in Arizona at this point and thinking that game and fish is the one that is trying to, uh, push this proposal across. Okay. Hang on a second. I got it right here. Arizona game and fish. I don't know how to pause your story. At a recent National Zoom meeting, Amber. Let me try to mute it at least. You just tap the center, could pause it or at least mute it. Or the bottom right corner of the video will mute it. Okay. Anyway, it's Amanda Munich, and let me see if I can do anything about it. We got you talking two places now. But anyway. So while we're while while I'm trying to get the her direct title and everything, I think she's the assistant director for Arizona Game of Fish. We should not be crucifying this lady. There's a reason why she took this opportunity in this meeting to get some sort of message out there. And yeah. the right reality, people obviously saw it. In reality, she did nothing but help us. Like she's the one that brought this to light. And and like I said, and I say it loosely, quote unquote, whatever a leaked email. Um, yeah, obviously it was intended to get out, but 
I think she knew if I get it out to one person, this could go bigger and it just slowly got bigger. Um, so I post a video yesterday in regards to a lot of that, because I don't want people attacking game and fish. I work closely with, with someone from game and fish and I spoke with them on this topic a few times. Um, and they I've didn't got, know. I've got that information real quick. If you don't mind me jumping in. No, go ahead. So it is, um, it is Amber Munig and she is the Arizona game and fish, uh, department of, She's a branch chief for uh, Department of Game and Fish. So she's a branch chief for them. So she she has has got that information out in the right hands. Right. And sorry and for really, that mix up and that confusion there. Yeah, and I, I really wanted to display that yesterday. Uh, I, so I put out a video again yesterday saying, "Listen, Game and Fish." From the conversation I had with with a Game and Fish representative. Uh, they didn't know this was going on. They weren't behind it. But in reality, the antis are going about this completely legal. It's, you know, they're, they're just commenting in an open comment period. And I really wanted to take the heat off of Arizona game and fish because right. over the last few years, they, the way they've adjusted the lion hunting and, and, and other hunting around the state, I didn't always agree with it, but they are using science-based management and it's working mm -hmm. out well so i do want to praise them for that and i really didn't want people beating up on arizona game and fish right. for this specific thing because it's, it's out of their hands at this point yeah not not yet you can't we can't beat up on them yet no not <laughs> you not, know and hopefully we're trying to we're trying to avoid that and um so so that's i think that's in a that's wasted energy to to be trying to do that and it's also counterproductive Mm -hmm. And you're not winning any friends and influencing people when when you take that approach. Uh, you don't kill the messenger, you know. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this whole predator deal, predators seem to they they are they are the top uh, top tier objective for these animal rights groups to come after, and. Um, Part of the part of the issue is they operate in an idealistic world that it's a that's emotional based. They really don't understand what wildlife management is, and and they don't care what animal animal rights are, or yeah. you know they don't care about wildlife management. They've got an idealistic, emotionally based opinion on what should happen to our wildlife, and I have a really hard time. I, it, Ryan, I, I mean, I'm sure my audience gets tired of hearing me say this, but I'm, I'm a retired wildlife manager and in that profession. And the last thing that we want to do is betray our constituency, you know, and hunters and fishermen, the hook and bullet crowd are the people that we want to represent. That's where our dollars come from. That's where our funding comes from. Very, I don't know how much of Arizona's budget for game and fish comes from the general fund, but I bet it's not very much. So my question is, what do these people think that that is going to happen with the management of large carnivores going to where's that money coming from eventually? If if hunters aren't if hunters are not managing that if they're not a part of that conversation and part of that management plan 
where do the where does the money come from? Because we can't just we can't leave them unchecked. Yeah, I I don't know. That's one thing I've been trying to that I've been playing through my head here is the last the last 24, 48 hours is the same thing as you you cut that off. Where where are we getting the funding for after that? Where's the money coming from, like you said? Um, and obviously they're gonna they're gonna have to make it up somewhere. Um, and to me, it's gonna end up turning into raised prices for the other species that we can hunt here. Uh, for elk, deer, and I almost said bear, but they're, that's what they're trying to get rid of. Elk, deer, antelope, javelina, those prices are gonna go through the roof. So what I think could be happening is a, is a chain effect here. If they can get the predators to stop being hunted, okay, prices go up. Therefore, hunters aren't going to want to, they, in their minds, hunters may not want to pay as much money for other tags. So the hunting population slowly starts to weed itself out. Or the increase of predators gets so big, or the population of predators gets so big that the their prey throughout the state starts to diminish. Mm-hmm. And then again, removing us from the ability to hunt them. So right. if they can start here, they're going to they're gonna win in the long run where the hunting of elk deer um, it, heck even small game the birds and the rabbits that's that's all going to eventually go away mm-hmm. it, it doesn't just have a five-year timeline on it as the next five-year regulation the, this is a lifetime ripple effect it's just going to continue this little ripple is going to turn into a tsunami before we know it it's it's all based i'll tell you where the money will come from it will come from from general fund tax base taxpayer base that will pay government hunters to go out and do uh wildlife control on these nuisance species we see it in california we see it in oregon we see it in washington all these states that have taken the hunter out of the management plan has to manage that in some way um and it's it's apparent and it's obvious in the states that have already done that and what what doesn't seem to be recognized by the people that support this is the fact that we no longer live in a wildlife utopia you know when the person sitting in their gated community outside of phoenix with their manicured lawns they never take into effect or take into account that the very yard that they have is taking, uh, it, it has altered wildlife management. You can yep. no longer say wildlife can can manage itself. Just leave the lions and the bears and the wolves and all these things alone. It'll all work itself out. It does not because not. your infrastructure for your internet, your infrastructure for your cell phone, your infrastructure for your power that comes into your home has all adversely affected wildlife management in some way. So unless we are willing to totally abandon the the wild places and our infrastructure in those wild places, human beings have to manage wildlife and predator management is part of that. Yes, absolutely. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, I couldn't have said that any better. That's exactly it, is they want us to leave the wildlife wild. But uh, I see it here in, in Tucson. It's just growing so fast. And like mm-hmm. you're saying, everything that we're doing has an impact on the wildlife. Well, now we're getting people left and right complaining 
about wildlife in the neighborhoods. Um, mm-hmm. Bobcats, even lions through neighborhoods, snatching pets. And just three days ago, and this is, this is an honest story. Three days ago, I had, I've never had wildlife in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I had a bobcat come in. I have ducks that we have for duck eggs. Killed all my ducks and my kid's pet rabbit and didn't eat a single one of them. Buried them all in my yard so it could come back. Mm-hmm. And I've never had that. But they also just destroyed about 100 acres of desert right around my house. Right. And the day after that, I've got javelina walking in my driveway, which – Cool. My kids love seeing the javelina, but everything we do has an effect on these animals. So if we're going to affect these animals by building our communities and building the infrastructure around it, we need to continue to have an effect on these animals with management purposes. That's, that's what drives me nuts. You know, you'll get, you'll get somebody who is a social media, you know, social justice warrior on, on social media and put all this stuff out there from the comforts of their home with their yard that is sprayed for insects and all this other stuff. And they don't recognize that the coos deer in your backyard is using your yard as a predator shield because they, they seek refuge there. We see it in Estes park, Colorado with the elk moving into town. Those are predator shields. And as, as predator numbers go up, you're going to see more of that. And now you've got a wildlife, uh, wildlife human conflict situation. And again, we're creating a problem for some bureaucrat sitting in his ivory palace to resolve for these people that don't want hunting on the landscape. Right. And then you go to that wildlife human interaction issue. Uh, it, like you said, we're seeing it in California. Well, you took the hunter out of it. Now you're going to use taxpayer dollars to have a paid professional come in and remove the lethally remove a lion from an area. When in reality, we could have been, the state could have been generating that revenue and allowing hunters to hunt these animals and your human wildlife interaction in a negative way would be very minimal. Right. And then again, right. it wouldn't cost taxpayers dollars to, to fix that issue. They're killing more lions in California now than they were when lion hunting was legal. So the animal rights have pulled the wool over all these people's eyes because wildlife control officers are killing more lions than they ever did when we were lion hunting. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I don't know. And it's the way that they're going about a lot of this and you, you know, you say they're pulling the wool over their eyes. Um, That's one of the things in my notes here that I have is just pure BS like they they're using false narratives or they're taking truths and twisting them and they're relying on the uneducated to come to their side and I'm not right. by by saying uneducated I'm not saying anybody's dumb they're literally taking Joe off the street that has ne- that has never even thought about a mountain lion right. and they're going hey did you know that hunters are killing kitten mountain lions right out of the, you know, right with their mother or they're killing the mother and then killing the kittens too, just so there's not a huge lion population. And then Joe goes, Oh wow, that's messed up. Sure. I'll sign that paper. Absolutely. That's all yeah, there is no bigger proponent in North America for wildlife than the American hunter. Nobody. And I will challenge any anti hunter that tries to say different or anybody that thinks they're an animal rights. You do not care for wildlife at the level 
that the American hunter does. There would be no wildlife on the landscape if it were not for the American hunter. And for these people to have, when I see a picture, a photo of a mountain lion, it's beautiful. When I see a black bear, you know, those are the things that I have a deep passion for. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything I can to protect those species in a way that is beneficial for the species in a way that is scientific based management, not emotionally charged. Yeah. Once you bring emotion into it, emotion and personal opinion into it, and that's what's making your decision. And, and that that's anything in life. That's not even that's not even just hunting base. You bring emotion into the decisions you make, you find out shortly after. I mean, if you have a good head on your shoulders, you find out shortly after that you might have made a wrong decision because exactly. you're emotionally charged rather than thinking through and seeing what the heck is going on. Yeah, it's an effective an effective strategy by the animal rights activists. You know, there's a reason why uh, the ASPCA uses uh, images and video of shivering puppies yeah. because my grandma's gonna gonna donate money to that because she likes her little dog. Yeah. You know, she's gonna do that. But one of the things that is hurting us, and I, this is why this story is so intriguing to me, and why I thought it was so good that we get on the front end of it. And of course, you really did. Mm -hmm. But you you saw the need to start controlling this narrative and get in front of it. And like you said, I love the way you said that chalk the wheels of this machine. As I'm looking and preparing, and this was brought to my awareness, you know, I checked into uh, some organizations to see if I could reach them and, and have them start influencing. But two organizations that I was looking at was an Arizona Houndsman Association and an Arizona Guide and Outfitters Association, two, two groups that would be adversely affected if not put out of business uh, if, if they don't get involved. And what I found was neither exists. Hmm. Yeah. Neither one. That's, so That's odd. Call, Go ahead. What, I, what I'm thinking, Ryan, is this a good – this is a good opportunity for – uh, houndsmen in the state of Arizona to become, we're going to react to this situation, but we've got to start preparing for future situations as well and become proactive. So, um, we got to do it. Yeah. So something similar to that got brought to my attention. Uh, I want to say yesterday morning, it may, it may have been the evening before, um, a follower of mine, he's a houndsman, local houndsman, uh, brought up to my attention that we have nothing like that in Arizona. So he and I were actually talking about maybe getting the wheels rolling on that. And so that's mm -hmm. something I'll, I'll work with him about. Cause I, I did look on Instagram for, uh, Arizona houndsman association. And it was a, it was an account that had started, um, looked like it barely got going and then they just stopped. Now I, I get it an influential account takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And if you're an avid houndsman, you also may not have that amount of time. Right. So I looked ahead. on Facebook and the Arizona houndsman association has not had a post since 2018. Yeah. That's how about, that like, that's about what that on, on, on Instagram. I don't know. And that's the thing is, so yesterday I put a thing in my story on Instagram. I put a little post, Hey, if you're an Arizona houndsman, uh, please reach out to me. 
and I think I got a message from heck it had to be 25 different houndsmen across the state and uh and they were all asking hey what's up so I was reaching out to try to get some answers combating the false narrative that the mountain lion foundation is putting out there. Uh, they're mm-hmm. putting out there, like I said, they're putting out there that we're killing. We're, we're either killing mothers with kittens, which I spoke with all these houndsmen and they said, if they treat them, if they treat a, um, a female lion tip. And if they, especially if they can see milk sacks underneath, they're going to let her go. But 99% of the time they're letting female lions go. Right. Uh, a, few, a few years ago I got on, I was, coos hunting and a houndsman's dogs came running right past me had no idea there's a lion about 100 yards away i looked over and i saw the lion take off so i jumped in and got in on that yeah and when i got in on it we went and watched it um you know i, I followed them down they had the, the cat up in a tree a small tree and they sat there and said all right well that's a female let's let's grab the dogs and 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 let her go and i that that sunk into me well then she sat there and she was, she was hissing and showing her teeth and she was so old. She almost had no teeth left. Mm-hmm. So they took the management practice to take that line out of the, and they ended up finding out she was like 14 years old. Right. She had no canine. So it what that, that story kind of wasn't really meant to happen, but it was just the houndsmen and the people in Arizona are going out and they're, they're doing their own management practices and they're completely, way far from these false narratives that the mountain lion foundation is putting out. We are not killing those females especially females that are, that have their young. They were, they're passing up an opportunity to take a lion because it's a female. You know, I know I'll be talking in an echo chamber here. I doubt many animal rights activists are going to tune in and listen to my podcast, but um, think about how ludicrous that mindset is that I would take a reproductive, uh, a vibrant reproductive female off of the landscape. I literally have thousands and thousands of dollars wrapped up in hounds and hunting with hounds. Just, just from that standpoint, just from a financial standpoint, because it's something that I love to do so much. If I were to go out and, and just, have no regard for the reproductive uh, ability of these animals that I pursue with my hounds. That's, that's insane that, that that narrative could even be pushed. But I still go back to the fact that as houndsmen, we have, we have lost control of the narrative. And as hunters, mm-hmm. we have lost control of the narrative and you can't regain the control of that narrative by sitting back and hoping somebody else is going to get it back for you. You've got to get involved. You've got to. So, so just blows my mind that, that people are that easily duped, I guess is the yeah. the good word for it. And, and I, one of the houndsmen I spoke with yesterday uh, in regards to the same situation of, of passing the opportunity to harvest a female, um, he brought to my attention the most detrimental animal to a mountain lion population. And, and I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure that this is true for bear, but it, I, I do know that it's similar for bear is the male of that species, a mountain lion, a Tom mountain lion. They, they need to eat, sleep and sex. Those are their three things on their mind. Right. So they're going to eat, 
They're going to sleep. They're going to breed. Well, a female mountain lion breeds. She gives birth. And now that lion is no longer of use to the tongue. So what he's going to do is attempt to kill the kittens. Because once the kittens are no longer there and she's no longer nourishing the, those kittens off of her breast milk, she's going to go into estrus again. Right. So he gets to breed again. And right. if not, he's going to kill her. Because now it's a food source. Mm-hmm. So the most, and, I, and that was just so enlightening to me that or, or kind of just brought some attention to me that um, the most detrimental animal for that <laughs> to a, a female lion with kittens is not a hunter. It is the Tom lion. And I know bears do the same thing. A boar, exactly. bear, a boar bear will gladly kill a cub just to bring that mother back into estrus. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, one thing that, that really gets overlooked and never comes out enough, Ryan, is the fact that there is no other form of hunting that affords the hunter the, the opportunity to evaluate their, their prey. Um, when you're standing under a lion tree, for instance, we'll use that one. You know, you can tell what sex that animal is. You can really look it over. You can tell if it has teeth or not, whether, you know, how old is this lion? Is it, is it, does it something, am I going to be doing this lion a favor in the long run by taking it off the landscape? There is no other form of hunting that affords the, the, the manager to be able to do that than when you hunt with hounds. And if it's a, if it's a, a, a young Tom or it's a young female or it's a female with kittens, you can simply lease your dogs or call your dogs and walk them away. And we call it tree and free, mm-hmm. you know, you can, it's like catch and release bass fishing. It's exactly what it is. And, and that's part of the narrative that really needs to take, get traction and, there's a reason why wildlife biologists use houndsmen to catch bears, lions, and and uh, bobcats, and it's for that reason, because you can be selective. Right now, what I if I could kind of just step away from that, what I'd like to get, what I want people to know, that's where is, I want to go next. Is um, you know, so the houndsmen are doing their part to to partake in the best management practices possible by, Mm -hmm. by harvesting the tums. Uh, now as, as a non-houndsman, I just took my first mountain lion in December, just December 1st, I harvested my first lion. I was on a deer hunt and that's how a lot of cats get killed in this state is you're deer hunting and you glass up a lion. So most deer hunters in this state go and buy an over the counter lion tag and put your, I think it's 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I'm going to have a $15 tag in my pocket for the opportunity in case I see a lion. Heck yeah, I'd love to harvest a lion. And that right. dream came true for me last month. I have 20 minutes of video on this cat before I pulled the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was bedded up under a tree. We watched him. We filmed him. I had to get into a different position. We took the time to watch this cat, the best amount of time we could, to watch this cat and make sure it had no kittens with it. Mm-hmm. And and then looking at the features of the cat, the size of the cat, I kind of was like, and I'm not, I'm no expert at that because that's a, that's a very difficult task. Uh, but I realized it had no kittens with it. The cat was alone. Okay. I, I feel safe or comfortable harvesting this cat. And I, one thing I want to get out is people need to 
I, I know it's a lot of times it's quick, but and you're excited, but you need to take the time to make sure we're doing the best management practices possible and making sure that cat is not a mother. Like shooting, it, it's there's nothing worse than it would be to shoot that lion and go up there and find four kittens kicking around the tree next to it. Like that would just be detrimental. That would be that would be impactful on me as a person, just saddening that that just happened. Uh, and then I same a very similar instance two years ago with bear hunting. There's an over-the-counter bear season here in Arizona. Uh, I glassed up a bear. I set up for the shot. I got ready, and I watched that bear for roughly 30. He wasn't. Uh, she wasn't going anywhere. I watched her for 30 minutes because I wanted to be sure that this is this was an ethical kill. So I finally had my video set up in my phone scope, got behind the gun. I'm watching through the crosshairs. All I need is it to step out. In the bottom of my scope, a cub came out of the wash. Yeah. It's been 30 minutes that that bear had moved 100 yards, and I never saw a cub. If you act fast and you make that decision out of emotion, like we were saying, you could wind up making the mistake. So I right. just want people to know you got to just slow down and make an ethical decision because if not, it's things like that that could get used against us in times like this. And I think, I think, uh, would you say that a majority of the hunters are like that? They, I've got a, I've got, got my a, own. You got a bear I've in got your got own? My, I, I might. <laughs> uh, so I think the majority of hunters out there are going to agree with that message and even consider themselves that type of, of a hunter. And, and that's what we need to control the narrative on. And, and even though I hope, and I, I hope the anti hunters do tune in and listen to this conversation between you and I and, and give them a different perspective, or at least, um, the non hunting crowd that is trying to make an informed decision on whether they should support a ban or not. Um, so <clears throat> when we look at, when we look at issues like this, I know that houndsmen and hunters are sick when there is a mistake that is made like this. I mean, mm -hmm. I've known guys that that stopped hunting for the year because of a mistake or an accident that happened, something that was outside their control. Right. Um, so, I don't know. Again, just with that, if we don't take those practices as hunters into account, then we're going to continue to get this false narrative pushed against us that we're out, um, out killing these, these mothers or these, uh, juvenile cats and bears. We haven't even, we haven't even touched on the bears yet. I mean, I have notes on notes on that. We haven't gone there yet. Um, let's, let's talk about, let's jump into that. And we're going to, we're going to talk about how people can get involved here soon too. Okay, so the narrative that they're pushing against us with bears. Uh, let me let me pull my notes right here. The and narrative who, who who is they? Okay, so let's they, cover that again. Going back to where we started with this conversation, uh, there's a mountain lion foundation. There is the Humane Society of the United States, and then the Center for Biological Diversity. Uh, so those are the three right now. They're the three that have collaborated on this. I'm sure there's more faces behind it. Uh, the money's going to have to come from somewhere and other organizations when it comes to things like this will dump money into it. But those are the three that, that I have, have been brought to my attention. Um, 
in a way, they're showing complete disregard for the rules that we have set here in Arizona. Uh, when you draw a bear tag, which, again, you know, you asked me earlier, what's my feeling behind this? Because I'm not a houndsman. So, like I said, I just harvested my first lion. I just drew my a bear tag for the first time in my life. So I start bear hunting here in, in the spring. Uh, it's an archery bear tag. And in the regulation right there where the bear regulations are, it tells you dates, locations, and tags allocated for that hunt. And then it says all legal bear or all bears except sows with cubs and cubs with sows. So that's page one of your bear regulation right. chapter. Um, <clears throat> what they're what they're going at is saying that when bears come out of hibernation, that we are running bears ragged because they're coming out of hibernation. They're vulnerable. They're malnourished because they've been sleeping for months. Like that's true. That is all true. But the next rule down in in the bear regulations for Arizona says uh, right here, using dogs during spring hunts after hibernation is prohibited. That's rule number 12-4-304 in your Arizona Game and Fish Department regulations book. Mm-hmm. So they're pushing that narrative that we're running dogs in the spring. Not true. They're also pushing the narrative, uh, and I quote from, their, from a blog from the – I, again, I don't want to blow up people's positions because that's not what we're here for. We're here for our initiative. Um, but somebody very high in the Humane Society. Washington, Nevada, Arizona can kill newborn cubs themselves. That is a quote off of their page. So if looking at that, technically, you look at the Arizona regulations. It doesn't say we can't not kill cubs. It says we can't kill cubs with sows and sows with cubs. But any ethical hunter in their right damn mind is not going to see a bear of 50 pounds and go, that's what I'm putting my tag on. Right. We're vested in this. And then again, why would you do that? Because we have such small sow limits. Like the unit that I have um, my bear tag for is, is just south of me. And for my hunt, once four sows are killed, the unit shut down. Right. The unit that I live in or that I – hunt primarily in once one sow is killed it's over yeah so uh, if you're shooting bears that small and you're shooting sows all we're doing is hurting our bear hunting we're taking that away from ourselves because we're closing units down and closing hunts down right so they're they're taking our rules and and twisting it and and falsifying our rules to make it sound like we're these barbaric people out here killing cubs yeah, and it, it completely blows my mind that they can get away with pushing a narrative like that. It's because they're well, they're well organized, they're well funded, and and they look at long term. They are not reacting to the pressures of bear hunting from two th- from from the year twenty twenty one right now. They are they are being proactive from years of strategy, years of experience. We're we're fighting an uphill battle with the sun in our eyes. Just to give you an idea, Ryan, my sources tell me that HSUS is still sitting on a uh, a, tr- a war chest of five hundred thousand dollars to fight for the the stopping bear hunting and lion hunting and bobcat hunting in Arizona alone. They're already five hundred thousand dollars ahead of us right now and that yeah and that's what they have 
That's not what other donors are going to throw in. Exactly. Not, they're going to get alligator or anti-alligator hunters of Florida. Those guys are going to throw money in. You know, like I don't. That's not probably not even a group. Um. Anyways, it's just. <laughs> What but there's is, there are people out there that that are that are fighting fighting under that narrative and that banner and it's like yeah you know if we can if we can absolutely like a small I said win before, for you is a small win for me an enemy of my enemies is is my friend and that's all that's it right. is you know so um <clears throat> so that they're they're doing that one thing i've noticed is both of these groups uh so the biological center for diversity um I haven't really seen a lot of steam coming from them yet. I think they're just a face in the crowd on this. I, I could be completely wrong. I just haven't seen much from them. But the other two organizations, uh, they're living off of old statistics. I see a lot of st statistics from 1970 to 1999, from 2001 to 2007. And they're not pulling out the numbers the way they should be or looking at what has recent cons conservation done for us? What has conservation in the last 20 years, 10 years, and five years done mm -hmm. for them? No, they're pulling out the BS that happened long ago before a lot of this was was managed. Because a lot of this was just kind of, yeah, go at it, have at it kind of thing. Right. Um, so uh, if, if you guys are out doing, any anybody that's listening to this, if you're out doing your research or you're looking into the stuff that we're talking about or you're doing your research on this topic, um, I hate to use the term, but fact check, fact check, fact check, fact check. I spent hours yesterday with the bear numbers that they have, um, and against what we're doing with bears in Arizona and the lion numbers, the lion numbers were sickening with the math that they did. Arizona game and fish estimates. We have roughly 2,500 lions in the state and the lion foundation says, no, we don't think that that's the right number. We think it's between 1,100 and 1,800. Well, then they do oh. all the, then they do all their math, and that's what they think. And they, they threw a couple sites in there, like cited their resources saying, we're getting our numbers because of this, this, and this. But the rest of their comments all go off of Arizona Game and Fish's numbers. So it didn't meet their narrative, so they changed it. Right. And then they said that, so and I'm not sure where they got a number from, but it said we're not allowed to kill more than 14% of the lion population in a year. Well, because their numbers are much lower than ours, it showed we were killing 20, 19 to 28%. Right. But if you do the math on the numbers that Game and Fish provides, we're actually right around 11%. This is this comes right out of the playbook for to be an animal zealot because they've done the same thing with uh, with the wolf numbers in Wisconsin. We've mm -hmm. seen them do the exact same thing taking those they know there's going to be a wolf hunt so we can't stop that so let's let's fudge the numbers and push numbers around and misrepresent the statistics in order to get that done so they they say there's less wolves in in wisconsin than than uh, what are actually there yeah I, I came across that exact those exact things that you're just bringing up about the wolves in wisconsin uh yep. yesterday but, so you're on the ground in, in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Tell our listeners, you know, what is, what is the tactic here? What's the approach? What do they need to be doing? What do people from everywhere need to be doing to preserve the management of our large carnivore predators in the state of Arizona? 
So what we need to do is, like I touched on earlier, we need to, to get out of our clique mentality, our tribal mentality, and take all of our tribes and cliques and make it one community first off. We need to do that. Uh, and that goes along with no no longer bashing other hunters. You see a photo, oh, that, that deer is small. Don't bash them. Just that's their, that's their animal. That's what they decided to hang a tag on. Let's stop bashing each other first off and band together. Uh, from a social media aspect, I've got a couple a couple answers to this question. Mm-hmm. Um, from a social media aspect, uh, I see photos every day of people harvesting their animal and taking their picture. They're happy. They're pumped. They got to fill a tag. They get some meat in the freezer. Take the time to, if you're going to take the picture, display your animal respectfully. You take a and I've done it. I, I've, I've done it the wrong way. I've displayed a photo of an animal, their tongue hanging out, blood everywhere. Uh, it doesn't help any of us. Cool, you got your animal. Take an extra 30 seconds to just find a way to display it a little more a little more respectfully. First off, it's just respectful to hunters everywhere, to the animal. And and last, it's it can't be used against you. Like It's not this gory, bloody photo that when the antis need ammo, they go look through a page like mine where I share everybody's photos and go, here we go. This guy's got a bloody javelina. This guy's got a bloody elk. This guy's got a bloody this. It it helps defeat their narrative that we're being barbaric about it. Um, Now, that's that's just my ideas from a social media aspect. Uh, The real the real um, thing we need to be doing is we need to be, and this is not just Arizona residents, this is nationwide. Anybody can send these emails uh, to Arizona Game and Fish. And and when I say reach out to Arizona Game and Fish, please do not message them on social media uh, in regards to how you feel, because those comments do not get taken into account for what we're trying to accomplish. Those comments are literally between you and one person running that social media account then that mm-hmm. comment gets discarded. You need to be sending these emails and uh, it's azhuntguidelines at azgfd.org. Uh, and I've been posting it all week. So go on over to, to hunt underscore az. You'll see it. Um, and you message me, I can have that. But it's azhuntguidelines at azgfd.org. Send it over saying that you are pro-science-based conservation and you would like to continue seeing the management of our predators across the state of Arizona continue to be managed the way that they are, the way that, the way that they currently are, the way they have been through science-based practices. Uh, something along those lines, but basically saying that you are pro-science-based conservation. Right, right. All right, Ryan. What about, um, do you have any guidance for people that want to contact like the uh, Arizona game and fish resources commission who might be uh, hearing this issue in the future. Do you have any links to anything like that? Or is Uh, it just strictly an email campaign at this point? As far as I know, it's strictly an email campaign. Um, There's another email uh, and uh, I believe it's rulemaking at azgfd.com or not, not not.com rulemaking at azgfd.org. That's another email address you can send it to. Um, You can send to both of them. But right now the open comment period is coming primarily out of the az hunt guidelines at azgfd.org. 
Okay, um, we'll verify both of those. You can email them over to me or text them to me, and I'll make sure that they get in the show notes for this episode. Okay, great. Are there any other uh, organizations on the ground in Arizona right now that you've talked to or contacted that are that are taking up the taking up the torch and fighting this? Yes, really I'm glad you asked because I've I, I get so I've gotten so fired up over this conversation. Uh, you and I spoke on the phone this morning. There's right now. I did another podcast last night. Um, I was I interviewed on another podcast last night and. The people I interviewed with last night, they're part of an organization called Howl for Wildlife. Uh, and this organization's getting going. They were they were huge and very impactful on the attempt at bear hunting with, in California last year. Uh, mm -hmm. They also were a part of another initiative in Nevada, I believe, last year as well. Um, right. So they, they're going to deal strictly with wildlife conservation issues. Uh, we just went through a trail camera ban here in Arizona uh, last this past year just went into effect uh, January 1. Uh, they didn't get into that because that's not a direct wildlife uh, issue. That That's a separate issue. But what they do is they and they do this nationwide. They, they catch wind of these things and they get on it just like I am. They get on it and try to pound it into the ground before it has a chance to grow. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's all for wildlife. Their website is is currently being worked. I think last night when I spoke with the director, he said in the next couple of days it's going to be up and fully functional. But you can get on there, and uh, you can get on and register your account. It's completely free. You get on and register your account, and when you register your account, emails for these issues come out. Like the one that they just did in Washington, that one snuck under the radar. But had they had that came out before, they would have sent out an email to everybody registered, and all you do is click on the button in the email and that sends an automatic message to whatever organization needs it. So when we do this through Howl for Wildlife with this current Arizona initiative and say my name, I've got Ryan Smith at gmail.com. That's not a real email. So don't, but anyways, <laughs> um, somebody will get it. I don't, I don't want people sending an email there and then being like, why the heck isn't this guy responding to me? Um, but say I, I register with that email, then I get an email. Hey, urgent pay attention, Arizona predator hunting is under attack. Click this email if you support the current use of Arizona predator hunting. And you click that button, it automatically sends an email from you right to Arizona Game and Fish for you. And then it puts you on the petition to push you, to continue pushing away from this narrative. Right. So that's a huge, a huge organization that I think is going to be very, very impactful as we push on with this. Mm -hmm. A couple other organizations, uh, you know, you need to be calling the Wild Sheep Foundation. The, yep. Those North Rim, you know, Bighorn Sheep, Governor's Tags, Desert Bighorns have been a big initiative for the Wild Sheep Foundation. They definitely, I mean, they, they go to great extent to uh, manage predators in those areas once they've established the herd. Mm -hmm. uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is another one that that if you're a member of that, you need to make sure that they're aware of what's going on down there in Arizona with this predator management. And then of course, Sportsman's Alliance and Hunter Nation are yeah. both organizations that, you know, hunters have got to start spending their money wisely and spending it with people who protect their lifestyle and, mm -hmm. and will step up, step up and voice, you know, come together and unite around these issues. Yeah, absolutely. Another, uh, along with the, the sheep 
recommendations you had there. Another one is a, a local one here in Arizona. It's the Arizona Desert Bighorn, or yeah, the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society. Um, I've been working with uh, a guy in that group as well. So he's he's gonna he's gonna be very impactful, I think, as well, because um, there's nothing more detrimental to a sheep population than a mountain lion. You got that right. And and sheep live in in the except country. Maybe where, a sheep, except maybe a domestic sheep herd. Yeah, because then you got the pneumonia <laughs> and all that going yeah. through. Um, but they, you know, sheep live in in easy ambush areas and they need water. So a lions going to hide in these in the rocky cliffs and just get them as they come through. So they're going to just decimate a sheep population. So these sheep organizations, we really need to reach out to them as well. Right. Um, right. And that's, I think what my next 24 hours is going to be is reaching out to a lot of these, these sheep guys. Right. Well, Ryan, I appreciate your time, man. Is there anything, any final thoughts or anything you need to sign off with before we wrap it up? No, man, I, I truly appreciate you helping get the word out and, and have me on your show. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I know that your audience may or may not be made up of a lot of houndsmen, but Issues like this directly affect my uh, my audience, and um, man, if if you're an Arizona houndsman, get organized out there so that you can stand in the gap for these freedoms that we enjoy and protect this lifestyle that we have. So, Ryan, until next time, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine.